Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Sattler. How's it going, man? Uh, a lot better because the Sixers won um, in dominant fashion. Listen, I don't know like how, what the Nets were thinking. They're like, okay, let's double MB. That'll solve everything, except then you're going to leave open everyone else on the team for the highest three-point uh, three percentage team in, in the league. What did you think was going to happen? It didn't make sense. Like, I kind of get it because they have absolutely no one to guard Embiid, <laughs> but true. it was it was fun. It was fun to watch. I felt like the Sixers were going like at three quarters speed most of the game too. Yeah. like especially defensively. And then just like in the, the start of the fourth quarter, like, all right, let's just put this one away. So that it was fun to watch. I, I watched the um, most of the Kings Warriors game last night. Oh, which yeah. Was fantastic. The, the playoffs are here. Very exciting, but also equally as exciting. It was Brian Clay mm-hmm. weekend. I, uh, I I bet people were having a little bit of deja vu from last year when around this time I was gone and then I was gone last week and people were like, well, is this just his yearly hiatus? I actually had hip labrum surgery, so I appreciate uh, Garrett holding things down last week. I am back and good to go. So we are, I, I'm very eager to be able to react right away on this Brian Clay weekend because we saw so many good performances. Yeah, this is just uh, Ben's annual child that he's yeah. going to have. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, shout out to everyone who, who watched it on YouTube. Um, I mean, as someone commented that, um, that they wanted to have the graphics on there because mm-hmm. it was more enjoyable, I really like putting the graphics on there. It does take a lot of time. And so I, we will see how this goes. I cannot promise that. But I really appreciate the feedback. That was very helpful. Also, someone said, uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about, I guess, Natalie Cook now as we, before we transition. Um, that like where, like I, I was talking about recommendations as to where she could go. She has recently entered the transfer portal. And they said, why not NC State? Honestly, it's just because I... I couldn't fathom another woman as her caliber going to NC State. That's probably the only reason why. There's probably no good reason why she couldn't go there. So I just we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But um, so thank you to everyone who's commenting and watching on YouTube. Uh, no ratings and reviews this week on Spotify or Apple, but go do that. Please, 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 please beg you. Please do it now. Pause. Go. Anyways, um, and then that's all I really got for the house cleaning items. All right. Well, let's. Go in transition, as you mentioned, to Natalie Cook being on the transfer portal. And I think NC State is the boring answer. And that's why we probably just avoid that because it's like, well, they've just picked up a lot of transfers in the last few years. Also, like, how much money do they have left to be able to do all these things? At, when you have Caitlin Tui, you just picked up Amaris Tanisma, you picked up Sydney Seymour last year. Who She's, she's graduating, though. I think year. she is. Okay. I think. Um, so that, that'll be coming off the books, but, um, yeah, I mean, it is so rare that you see someone this, I mean, it's hard to say Natalie Cook's super established because of just the quantity of races she's run, but for someone who's run as few races as she has in her NCAA career, she's about as established as you could be. She's run some really fast times on the track. She's run really well in cross country. She is a bonafide star. And we do not see these kind of stars hit the portal this early in their career with this much eligibility left, and, and, which makes her probably if we had a, a transfer value rankings, she would be extremely high up. In, I, I in can't. That. Have, yeah, she, she might even be higher than two, she, given the eligibility. Yeah, she might be one. 
Like, I, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it, it's not an overstatement to say that. Um, so who were you saying last week that you, you were, you were liking? Yeah. So like last week, and this is the reason like why I wanted to briefly touch on this before we get into everything today is because obviously we talked about it last week. Everyone kind of heard what I wanted to say, yeah. but I wanted to get your reactions on it, uh, hear about like what your surprise factor was, hear about like where you thought she was going. I said something along the lines of like UCLA, Arkansas, yeah. Notre Dame, Virginia. Uh, I guess you could throw NC State into that mix now as well. I didn't think Texas or Texas A&M would be the options for her. They're just not established enough distance, no. distance programs, despite her being from Texas. Um, so I was just curious, like, A, what was your reaction when you heard? And then B, um, where, like, where are you looking at now for her? I was pretty surprised. I, there was something, there's something a little weird with her running at NCAAs, clearly not healthy. And, and that kind of, I, I made a mental note of that of being like, is everything a hundred percent here if this is happening? Because I, it just seems like when an athlete and coach are on the same page, something like that doesn't happen. Um, and so that took away a little bit of the surprise for me. My dream for her, and this this is going to be a a big departure from Texas, Oklahoma. I already but, know what it is. Can I can I guess? Yes, go ahead. Is it Florida? No. Oh, it okay. is not. Right. Right, I do ahead. like Florida. I know someone had mentioned that in our chat about her and Parker Volby teaming up, and and I, I I I do love that idea. I think that would be the like least amount of miles run between two superstars ever um, <laughs> going into a NCAA championship race. But I really like, and this fits on this program's timeline. They already have some young superstars at. Some lower distances. Okay. If she goes to Stanford, I mean, is oh. Stanford like, I mean, they're podium contenders at the bare minimum, right? Yeah, that's actually podium nice, favorites. Nice, yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice choice. Like, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, Stanford historically, or at least as of recently, hasn't really gone after the transfer market really that significantly. They like no. to build up from the ground up historically inside they like to do that don't be wrong they have you know under miltenberg gone after like aubrey uh aubrey roberts excuse me um from northwestern a while ago but yeah i mean that would be that'd be interesting that'd be really interesting i mean it's it's almost like she's not even a transfer with how much eligibility she has that's yeah. the thing like it's, you're you are building from the ground up with her like that's true she has so much eligibility left and i think she just fits that timeline super well i think the other one to stay in the northwest is Oregon. Um, like Mm -hmm. I I think that she would be a perfect building block for, uh, that program to, to really truly do its big rebuild around. Um, but those are kind of the two that I had circled in my mind. I don't know if those are too big of departures in terms of geography or type of school, but I, I just, I look at those programs. I look at where she's at. I think that they would be very, very solid fits. Yeah, the the one other before we move on that I'll say is that Scotty he, he mentioned he was like, what about New Mexico? Mm. And I was like, I don't totally hate that. They're not against transfers. A fairly, you know, they return a lot of women. They can be nationally competitive. It's kind of that same like Southwest ish region. Yeah. Um. It's it's not a it you know it's, it fits uh, Natalie Cook's like racing style. Not to, I don't see her going there just because of just I, for whatever reason I just don't see it happening. I don't know why. But it, on paper, it kind of works. 
Yeah, and she would be that, like, extra low stick that they need. I mean, they have, like, All-Americans, but they don't necessarily have that top, like, possible top five kind of contender on that team, and she would give them that, which would be really exciting. So, yeah, I, I like all those. I mean, again, just have to reiterate how rare, and maybe we'll see this more in the future with the portal becoming a bigger of a thing, how rare it is to see someone this good be on the portal this early in their career. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, what are we transitioning to? What, what do you want to start with event uh, event wise? Let's start with the 800. We saw a lot of good races at Brian Clay, but we also saw some quick 800s at Florida. So on the men's side, we saw Bushabi run another incredible race at Brian Clay running 145 for the win. Um, we saw Wisconsin's Hassan have a breakout performance running 146. And then we saw Ferguson running 146 as well. Elsewhere at Florida, we saw... Uh, the Clemson duo of Roden and Thornton run 146. And then Oklahoma State's Medi Yunari run 146 as well. Out of this group, who kind of stuck out to you the most uh, and who maybe improved their stock the most this weekend with these performances? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Yunari is the big name that I think yeah. we're all going to be like, that's the breakout performance. He's been good. Like, he's been kind of like the the sole, like, guy who can be nationally competitive for Oklahoma for the last couple seasons, maybe two. Um, but this is the the performance that I think we were all like, okay, now this is validation of just how good he can really be. I mean, again, he's been good. He's never been this good. Um, I, I Again, I don't think we st- – I still don't know if we know a lot about him, not at this level. So I think there's still a ton of questions. But for Hassan, this is now after you know going 146 once or twice before this year, mm-hmm. never really getting back to that level, and then showing signs of that during the winter and then delivering this past weekend – 146.2, I think it, it was. For me, that's huge because I think that's that puts him back in the All-American conversation. He's one of the more naturally talented. I don't know if he's the most naturally talented, but he's one of the more naturally talented guys for 800 meters at the D1 level. Um, I, I feel like at his absolute best, he can crack 146. I think this past weekend kind of proved that. Yep. Um, and I just think his speed, again, as we saw this past weekend, is really dangerous. If he can be more consistent with his times and his tactics, I would be very, very scared of him. Yeah, I mean, I just like the fact that he finished second in that field. I mean, Abu Shabi mm-hmm. is maybe the best 800-meter runner in the continent right now, like yeah. like running in North America. Like he, and There's very few people in the world beating him right now, the way he's looking for Hassan to take down the rest of a very good field there and run the time he did. Very exciting. I mean, we like you said, we kind of knew that this was in him especially the way he ran that dmr split at ncaa's where he went out super fast hung on to run a decent time we knew if he could run a little bit more of an even race uh in an open setting that he was going to be able to run something quick and this is certainly validates that and i i agree with you i think he can go even faster um and then for the for these other guys i, I mean Roden and thornton good performances from them we know they can run fast Roden has really impressed me um, with his ability to, uh, at NCAAs, hang on and actually use that front-running uh, pace-setting uh, strategy to do decently well at NCAAs. So I- I'm excited to see what him and Thornton can continue to do if they can maybe get even like a half-second faster each and and really put themselves in contention. Yeah, I mean, Roden's tactics still kind of leave me a little unsure sometimes, but... Mm-hmm. Like he's just naturally strong enough or like he'll get a top eight finish as long as he gets to the finals. So for me, I, I guess it's like, 
I don't really know how much this tells me. For Thornton, it's like, okay, let's remember, like he's maybe just as talented in oh, certain yeah. aspects of these races with with Roden. Um, for Wes Ferguson, though, you know, another the D two star before mm-hmm. El Buchebe kind of came in to the NCAA scene. I think this is a big performance for him because yes, Buchebe ran one forty five again. But I think as long as Ferguson's running 146 and staying competitive in that kind of time range, I think that at least keeps him in the discussion to take down El Buchebe at the national meet come late May. Again, he's not favored. Buchebe will still be heavily favored. It would be an upset if he did. But Ferguson's still within that conversation to take him down. And um, I think that's important. I think you had he had to have run 146 and had the race that he did um, in order to stay in that conversation. So that's so I'd say to that. Absolutely. Like I said, Obuchabi is running as well as anybody and for Ferguson to at least narrow that gap a little bit and show that it's it's at least within reach it is a big, I, I think, confidence boost for him and also just shows that while the 800 on the D2 level might have might just seem booked and closed, there there is a little uncertainty there. Um, anything else on the men's side before we go to the women? Let's go to the women. Michaela Rose at Brian Clay took home the uh, top collegiate honors of in 159. Claire Seymour, two flat. Valerie Tobias, two flat as well. Um, we saw Sarah Hendrick, 201. Um, and then Mitchell from Boston College out of the second heat, I believe, run 202. Uh, and then at Florida, we saw Imogene Barrett, two flat. And Cassidy Johnson, 202. A lot of really good performances here. It's hard to be like Rose just is a super duper star at this point. I mean, the, we haven't seen Willis and Whitaker um, really date. Have, have they even run this outdoor season yet? Yeah, they actually ran uh, the 1500 at Mount Sac. They okay. went 412 and 413, I think. Okay. So very solid performances from them. We haven't seen them drop to the 800 this outdoor season. You got to imagine they're going to be running around those times, but if they didn't exist, Rose would be just seen, I think, uh, not quite to the thing Mo level because she hasn't run like 157 or 158, but she has been so consistent running around that 159 two flat level. It's been incredible. She's been winning races um, against very good fields. I, I can't say enough good things about her. And then the women behind her all ran exceptionally well, but it, it just never seemed like they were ever going to be able to beat Rose. Um, I just want to say after a brutal winter I had great predictions so far. <laughs> I had really good predictions. Guess who said Michaela Rose would run 159? Your guy. Um, so, yeah, I, she's been like, it's an incredible time. It's NCAA number two all time. It's not surprising. It's not. Like, she's been running under 202 this year, just this year alone, this calendar year, five times. And she's run two flat twice she's been knocking on the door she split 158 on a relay like for me this was due if she was in a field fast enough where she was pushed by hilts Mm -hmm. where she was gonna have to stay on the gas for longer i i you know for me i'm looking at that i'm like yeah 159 is reasonable however it does now validate the idea that like she's still very much a threat to willis and whitaker like yeah because they they very clearly won indoor national titles i think everyone's like oh well they're clearly gonna win I'm like, I don't know if they're clearly going to win. Like, Rose is still very much a problem, and I would not be happy to face her. I, I'm not sure. Like, I, I don't know if, if the season was going into the national championships next weekend. I don't know who I'd pick for the 800-meter national title yet. I'd probably pick Willis and Whitaker, but I wouldn't be super confident about it. 
I completely agree. And I'm just looking in the, all the excitement from Brian Clay, Whitaker and Willis did run the 800 as well at Mount Sac, oh. where they ran 201 each, basically. Um, Whitaker taking down Willis by about 0.15. Um, so they also ran exceptionally well. Um, but it does let um, kind of give credence to the idea that Rose is certainly right in their category running a time that is two seconds to almost three seconds faster than what they ran this weekend. So um, really good performance from her. And then elsewhere at Brian Clay, I mean, Claire Seymour just nearly breaking to looking fantastic. She is just continuing to ride this high that she started in March. And I, I mean, I, I quite, quite frankly, like it's hard to bet against her outside of that top trio I feel as good about her as anybody else in the country. I mean, what more can I say about Seymour, right? Like, we've got we've done the story. She's just impressive. I knew she was on a hot streak. I didn't think she was on this kind of hot streak. This is wild. And like Valerie Tobias, right? Huge. Like, oh my gosh, too flat. Like she's been so consistent, so reliable, so good, runs well in these kind of fields, very experienced, and you know, can run fast. But, you know, 202 was kind of like, well, I was like, okay, that's kind of her ceiling. Psych, no, it's not. She runs too flat. And now the story about her dramatically changes. You have to wonder, okay, where is she? Is she in the same conversation as Seymour? Seems like she kind of is. I would like to see a little more validation of this too flat just because mm-hmm. it came with such a big PR. I'm, I'm so blown away because these times were just so fast and I just don't really know what to think about it. But also like this, this is probably like one of the most loaded 800 fields we've ever seen, 100%. period. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Barrett running too flat this weekend too, like definitely makes that claim very accurate. I mean, we said it all indoor season. This is a loaded, loaded 800 meter field. We haven't even talked about Lindsey Butler, who I think ran what 202 mm-hmm. this weekend as well at Brian Clay. But with so many people running faster than her, it, it's it's just hard to like know where to proper properly rank her. I mean, we saw Cassie Johnson and Sylvia Chilang got run 202 as well at Florida. There's just, I've never seen this amount of women running 202 or faster at this point in the season. It is astonishing. I mean, Butler's at 202 and she's 13th on the list in middle of April. Oh my God. Like, I mean, like I I gotta go back to what is it? Like, was it 2019? I mean, like we're talking about just a couple years ago, where like if you were running two hundred two, you were in the national title conversation. Oh, now yeah. it's like, are you even going to make the finals? And I, it, I've just never, like we we get very caught up on like the ten k depth and the five k depth because the times are so clear cut and it's very easy to like separate them. Mm-hmm. But like, let me take a look here. And, like this is the men. Yeah, here's the one. Here's a fun fact: twenty nineteen. What was the fastest time going into the national meet from the regular season? What do you think it was? Uh, this was so Mo hadn't arrived yet, right? Twenty nineteen. Two o one nine. Two o two four one. Wow. So for perspective, <laughs> that would put you ninth on the list that would put you ninth on the list you would i mean there's now eight women who would be faster than that that's insane that's what four years ago i mean that's that's insane so jeez yeah i mean absolutely amazing weekend for the women in the 800 it was 
incredible to watch. Um, I mean, Rose, her, just watching her, just her stride is so strong, so confident. Yeah. It, it really was incredible to watch her go down to the wire with Hiltz and, and just see how much better she has gotten and consistent over the last year is very incredible. Um, anything else? Just, yeah. Yeah. Just sh- shout out Sarah Hendrick. Like we mentioned all these women yeah. and she was the only one who didn't get it. Her and Catherine Mitchell, Catherine Mitchell, by the way, mm-hmm. it, I mean, she's getting better. She's getting faster. She won her heat. Her tactics are better. Like I, I really like her. Like I really, really like her, and I really want to find reasons to like add her to the rankings. I don't know if we will or not, but we'll see, man. We'll see. I will watch out for Catherine Mitchell's also. Agreed. I I liked her to. I thought she would make the finals at uh, indoors. She just missed out, and I feel good about her making finals again this outdoor season. I mean, she is just getting faster and faster, and she has she's tactically good enough as long as she can be within that like half second of a PR range of everybody else to to hang in there and qualify um all right let's go to the men's 1500 which we saw at brian clay last night was an extraordinary race just so much going on it wasn't like as fast as last year when kip sang um broke the ncaa record um in 333 but we saw a lot of fun racing uh fuad masaudi was the top collegiate going toe-to-toe with Cooper Tier Saudi ended up running 335. Joe Wascom was right behind him in that same time. And then Anas Sae, Ezekiel Rop, and Isaac Baston all running 336. And then you saw Kip saying Spencer running 337. And then NAU's freshman Salman running 338. What was your big takeaway from this performance? I mean, Fuad Masadi's just He's so good, man. I, mean, I love to watch him run. I I, I don't know how. Like, dude, what are you on? Oh my gosh! Like, he's taking Cooper Tier to the line, and he was beating Cooper Tier for the longest time, long while. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I just don't know what more I can say about Fuad Masaudi. I mean, he is. I, 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 what more can you say? Like, he's insane. He's so good. He's so good. Um, I, I just don't know if I've seen in the longest time a runner as complete as him I, i'm trying to think back i, I mean maybe Cheserek, maybe i i don't i don't know i mean like Cheserek had more range but it, was he more complete you know um and listen Cheserek is our in my, in my opinion the greatest collegiate distance runner yes, ever but um just in terms of like completeness among multiple events i i in this era too Masaudi, I'm trying to think like who was who's been better than him in the past five years, and I just I can't think of it. it. It's it's incredible to watch. I mean, if you look, if you just look at the results, you're like, oh, I mean, Masaudi ran three thirty five, Wascom ran three thirty five as well. It's like they they were fairly close. If you watch that race, you, the gap between those guys it was so much bigger than I think any of us thought it would be coming into yeah. this race. I mean, I think in both of our heads. In the fifteen hundred or the mile, they are neck and neck. Like they they went head to head in like the DMRs, DMR twelve hundred legs over the indoor season. Um, but I just thought it would be a lot closer of a race, and I thought Wascom had a, a great shot at beating him. I thought SIU was probably the favorite um, out of the collegiate field coming into this race, but for Masaudi to just sizably gap those guys was 
I, I mean, it just shows what kind of fitness he's in, and just he's on a different planet than everyone else at this point. Just want to say another prediction thing. Um, I had Masaudi, SAE, Wascom, Bast, and Kip saying. I had them going. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? I had them going 34, 34, 35, 37, 38. That was pretty close. Uh, pretty Ezekiel good. Rop, however. What? What is, what is happening? Oh my gosh. You're not um, a 1500 guy. What are you doing? I don't know if he's, I don't know if he knows if he's a 1500 guy. Like, here's the thing. Like, he ran 339 last year, right? And he ran some, he ran 401 in the mile. What are you doing? Like, how, I, I, I so I disagree. I, I, I do think, he, well, he ran 1336 at Brian Clay last year. So I don't know, but like, I think he is now. I'm not saying that he's no, not now, but no, like no, coming yeah. into this race, I was like, uh, I mean, he'll probably be one of those 5K guys who breaks 340 barely and has a good race and is happy with that. And no, he's just like, I'm as good as any miler in this in the country at this point. I, I don't, I mean, like maybe time-wise, but like he has to show me more. Like, yes, oh, well, uh, yeah. he ran 340 at Stanford to win, I think his heat. Did he win the whole thing? I think he just won his heat. Maybe it was the whole thing. Oh, please hold. Actually, this is interesting. Let me take a look at the compiled results here from Stanford. Because I think Sam Ellis won that race, unless I'm thinking that it was... Oh, he he barely... Yeah, okay, never mind then. But yeah, I mean, the the, the point stands is like... I just need, need to see, to see more. more. Yeah, yeah he, see, he was 7th in the 3K at Big 12 indoors. He ran 7.58 3K. He was... Seventh in the mile with a four hundred one nine two at the ISU Classic, which really isn't that stacked. It's just a bunch of Iowa State and Midwest guys. Yeah. Like, he, like where did this come from? Ah, <laughs> and like it's it's crazy that I'm going to say this, but like you can run three thirty six, and I'm like I'm not sure if you're a top twenty five guy, distance wise. Well, I, I mean, obviously this being such a time trial setup, like if you're fit and like you don't do anything like stupid at the beginning of the race this is really well set up for someone like him maybe we we need to see him be able to continue running uh, if not these kind of times these kind of performances in terms of placing and i think that's the especially with the 1500 meter where it can get a little tactical we need to see him be able to win maybe a, a little bit of a slower race against obviously not quite as good competition as he'll face this weekend, because I don't think we'll ever see a 1500 meter field until NCAA is as good as this one. Um, but I mean, he's on our radar now, like <laughs> he's certainly one to watch. And I did not expect to say that about him in the 1500 meter this year. Um, other guys, uh, Bastion three thirty six nine nine, Kip Sang three thirty seven six nine, Adam Spencer three thirty seven. Bastion, this is pretty key because yep. I don't like you. Don't have to run three thirty four. You don't have to like go after the NCAA record. The fact that he can run fast though, that he can operate from the back and move up and still run a fast time. He just has to be fast enough so that way he can implement his tactics and and be that threat at the end of races that he's been for the past year or two, right? Um. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought this was a really key result for him. Kip saying this is actually a nice performance considering that he's still got another month and a half to go, two months to go. I like it a lot. Um, and then Spencer, this is about right. Like he's fit enough. He was going to do it. Like, yeah, he kind of, oh, he kind of tripped, like, you know, going to that final lap, you know, kind of almost fell apart. So the fact that he salvaged 337 is pretty impressive. Um, I have a question though. So obviously yeah. everyone ran super fast, like, you know, Piamps and Foster and 
and uh, Colin Solomon running 338 in the next two heats. And I'll, I'll more have this to say about the women's races. I don't understand how Luke Hauser and initially uh, Nathan Green, although Nathan Green I don't think didn't race. Um, I don't understand how they got left out of the top heat. Like, there was 12 entries in the men's top section in total, only 11 who finished. There was far more in the women's race. And I'm like, <laughs> I like what, why, like, what was the argument for Hauser not being in there? Like, over, like, well, how did Spencer, <laughs> I, how, okay. how did Spencer, how did, yeah. how did Baston get in there? Like, it, it, and again, it's not that those guys weren't worthy of being in there, they very clearly were. And it's very easy to look back and be like, well, how's rolling ran 339? It's like, but that doesn't matter. Like going into the race, when you're seeding them, when you're trying to look at the fairness, like how does this happen? And my, my actually, my, my gripe for this is more on the women's side than anything else. But I just, I didn't understand that. I think this is a phenomenal meet. It obviously worked out. But I was like, why was Hauser not in the top team? And, and I, I wonder if it comes down to Coach Powell deciding whether or not he wanted to push for that or not because i feel like if he decide if he really felt like he wanted him to be in there i i can't imagine them saying ezekiel rob look at your like resume in the 1500 meters versus luke hauser and like that well ezekiel rob was in the third heat Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Um, but yeah, like someone like Spencer then, like, uh, I mean, you're, you're completely right. So I, I, yeah, I'm not sure how that happens other than the coaches kind of deciding they don't need their athlete to be in that top heat. Yeah. So heck of a, heck of a race for a lot of these guys. I didn't really surprise like, like very few of the second section results surprised me. Only Rob surprised me. Colin Solomon three thirty eight key result. I think he kind of yep. needed that. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, this was a great result. Absolutely. Let's go to the women's side. So the fastest times we saw out of the collegiates were in that uh, se- second fastest heat. Um, we saw Melissa Riggins run 410 to beat Mia Barnett's 410. Um, and then in the fastest heat, we saw Grace Featherstone Ha run 411, as did uh, Kazimierska, uh, Flamina Asikal, um, Lorena Rangel Batris, uh, 411, and then Lauren Pelicora and Michaela Rose all running 411. To your point, like it was very, two very different experiences watching these two heats the fastest heat was just the elise cranny show and then everybody else just kind of backing off not going with the pace setter and then fighting it out amongst themselves over the last like 200 meters uh, which featherstone got that win over the rest of the collegiates whereas barnett went with the pacer from the gun like was ahead of the pacer at multiple points and then Melissa Riggins, though, fought back over the last 200 meters to just edge her. And I think you got to be extraordinarily happy with both of those women running the times that they did. I, I don't think you could be upset with anything they did. It was just weird to see the fastest beat all the women kind of run it a little bit more conservatively. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, sure, it's, it's the like, one thing like how they race, but like, for me, it's like Mia Barnett was initially in the invite section. Mm-hmm. And then like I'm writing the preview and she it refreshes and she's out. I'm like, how? I'm like, with all because with all due respect, like how you know some of these women, like you know, 
I'm, I'm trying to figure out like who else was in that that top heat real quick. Let me take a look at that section. It was like I'm, I'm just looking through this though, and I'm like, wait, how does Mikhail Rose or Claire Seymour and like Gracie Morris like? Carolyn Tim, like they're all great talents, and I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to be in that top section, but I don't know how they deserve to be in there, and then Mia Barnett didn't. Didn't, yeah. That that's that's the thing that bothered, like a little bit with Featherston Haw as well. Maybe Galvadite, although I don't, I don't actually hate that seating for Galvadite. It's just okay. like I, I I don't really know what happened, and I I'm pretty confident. I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty confident that wasn't like an intentional decision for Barnett um, or her staff. Barnett ran that race like she had a point to prove. Yeah. Um, yeah. And looked, I, I, hey, we've all been there when we've been seated below what we think we should be. And that, that, well, that when that's you run. the ego of every runner. Just yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. 100%. I, I'm I mean, the ego checker, right? I'm just deciding <laughs> whether or not this is valid or not. So sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, we've all been there. And then when you run in that slower section than you think you should be, you're out to prove a point. And yeah. Barnett was out to prove a point and she very nearly won this race. Um, like I said, I think she should be very happy with it. She was solo for so much of it. And I mean, nearly hung on to beat Riggins who uh, I, again, I think should be very happy with the way she kicked. But if you're going to ask me who would have run better in that fastest heat, I would a hundred percent have said Barnett because she would have put herself in a much better position than I think Riggins would have in that faster, faster, uh, fastest heat. So I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Um, it, just in terms of the actual results, thoughts. <laughs> just, I mean, like, is there really anything that you're like, oh my gosh? I mean, obviously Riggins, it's surprising. I think we knew she was talented. We knew she could have success in the 1500 meters. It's a great result. It's a huge result. It's it changes like what we think she's going to attack, especially because the eight hundred so loaded this year. So for her to move up to fifteen makes sense. I don't know if we really know enough about her to really say like what her capabilities are truly in the fifteen off of just one race like this. Fair. Yeah, and, and I mean when you're kind of coming back from way back, like it, it's it, th while that is an impressive performance, it doesn't necessarily tell us a whole lot about how she's going to do in an NCAA kind of race. Um, it's good to see that she has that kind of kick. Um, but yeah, I don't think we learned a whole lot about a lot of these women. Otherwise, I mean, I really liked what LSU's uh, group did. I mean, to have two women run four eleven, I thought was super impressive. Um, I liked what we saw out of Kazimierska. And Featherstone Ha, huh? I thought they ran well. But I think like the biggest winner from this weekend was Margot Appleton. I mean, her 408 <laughs> yeah. from yeah. Raleigh looks I and I I I think we stressed this enough when she ran it, how impressive and amazing that was. But every weekend that goes by, I think we have to realize how good of a run that was that early in the season. And like for that time to be holding up as well as it is. I think like she's one of the biggest winners out of all this. Um, I do just want to say, as I'm looking through this now, again, like I know that the second fastest heat ran faster and obviously yeah. got the edge. But in terms of that top heat, I predicted Kazimierska to win that in 411, and she won that. In, and she won that. Merged the top collegiate in 411, and she did. This was a very good weekend of predictions for me, and I will make sure everyone knows about it. Um, I think I. Well, she that. wasn't the top collegiate. In that heat, Featherstone. Oh Hall no! Was, uh, right? 
No, Featherstone oh, Hall was, was in. Well, she was in the section eleven behind oh. Barnett and Riggins. Oh, okay, she was. Sorry, I thought. I so, thought she yeah, was Ka- in Casimir Scott. And also, I lied. I said Casimir Scott run four oh nine. So that's a lie. But like, <laughs> all I'm, like all I'm saying is, I think I'd pull Pelicaro at four eleven, and she did run four eleven. So like, yeah. again, after this, I, a real quick, Amina Matug. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> that's all I'm, I'm going to say on that one, huh? It's like know. the third race now where I'm like, eh, what's going on here? It's not. And here's the thing. The problem is that these aren't bad results. She's not racing poorly. Like 413, like again, national title favorite at the NCAA Indoor Championships. Still salvages a seventh place finish, but it was not run well. Goes to the Duke Invitational. Bad, terrible conditions. Runs 418, so you can't blame her on the time, but then gets outkicked yeah. by Samantha Trent. Now, loaded field, good conditions, like top field. Like she should run well, and she just fades to 413. None of those results and like the how she finished are bad, but they're not where they should be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you could say a little bit of the same with Abby Goldstein of being like, fine performance, but we would have hoped to see you challenging a little bit more. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I think Goldstein's a little different in my mind. I just I think she's, I think she's a little different just because of her experience of tactics. But yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I. But yeah, I, I w- was watching the race and I was like, oh, Matug's in this. Wait, I didn't see her on the like performance list that high. Uh, and then sure yeah. enough, just wasn't uh, as big of a factor as I, I would have thought she would have been. No. Um. All right. Anything else before we move on? Let's move on. Let's hit the three K steeplechases real quick on the women's side. We saw Lee Thorner take home the win in nine thirty nine, uh, beating Angelina Ellis of Butler in nine forty four. Kaylee Delay, who was pushing the pace, had a huge lead at one point, and then just got passed and faded pretty hard. Ran nine forty six. Does this tell us who did we learn more about here? Thorner, Delay, Ellis. I think it's Ellis. Okay. I think it's Ellis because here's the thing. Thorner, we already knew, has run exceptionally fast before. We she did the same in, thing last year. Did the same thing race. last year. Um, 939 is like out, not out of her wheelhouse at all. And for delay, I think it would be ridiculous to suggest that the NCAA number two, number three, I think number three, steeplechaser of all time, who got a silver medal in this event at this at the national meet last spring, yep. who ran 925, like to suggest that this is like indicative of her talent, I don't think it is. She made a bold move, it backfired, so I'm not going to look yep. too heavily into this. But Angelina Ellis is on fire. 437 mile, then 903 3K. These are all PRs, I believe. Um, gets double gold at the uh, Big East Indoor Championships. Goes to the rally relays, runs 953, upsets cold, now runs 944, continues to get better. She's on fire. She's dynamic. She's like emerging as like a, a nationally competitive name. I would probably put her at like the seventh or eighth spot of my All American picks right now. Would you? Yeah, I mean, she's trending in the right direction. I I, I get a little worried about, especially in the steeplechase, the the like men and women who kind of come out of nowhere and run solid times in the beginning to middle of the season because really the steeplechase doesn't start until conference weekend in a lot of ways um and that's when we see everybody run really really fast so that i'm not maybe quite there yet but she's certainly done everything you could ask her to do at this point um and and that's not like it's not me saying that she's run poorly i just am a little wary at this with a steeplechase can you um no, I, I won't. I won't be that much of a tease. Um, the top five women in the steeplechase, for collegiately at least. Um, please hold. 
yeah, well, overall, yeah, yeah, overall, were Thorner, Ellis, Delay, Karen, uh, Greta Karn, Karnaskate, Karnaskate, sure, and Lexi Halliday Lowry. Um, mm-hmm. I had those exact five women, um, in my top five predictions, and it all be all in a different order. <laughs> but hey, if you were worried about my predictions this past winter and thought I was off my game, I'm back. I'm back. Very pointed look at uh, the camera there. I, I, I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I I think delay. It, it, it obviously it make me feel a lot better if she would have closed that out. But I respect her going for it. Like she's coming off of last year, it was in a different class than everybody else in the NCAA. So I respect her like feeling like she should be able to do that um, and beat everybody that badly. So um she she might have to regroup and change her tactics a little bit but i i think with we're she still should be the favorite and i think thorner has established herself very much as 1b in that conversation now i'll move us to the men's three uh men's 3k steeplechase kenneth rooks 831 dominates the field another strong finish that's at uh, Brian Clay along with him. Reese Smith at 840. Joel Mendez, 841. Victor uh, Kipiego uh, of 841. He's of UTEP, I believe. Elsewhere, Nathan Mountain, 834. Great result for Nathan Mountain. He is an established steeplechaser already, I believe. Yep. Um, I don't do we really need to spend much time on this. I mean, I will say for Mountain and, and Rooks, these are the times that you kind of would expect them to run at conference weekend. So it is a little surprising to see them run this fast this early. And I, I think that bodes well for them. I think in general, the steeplechase field is just going to be extraordinarily fast again this year. Um, but I, I really like what we've seen out of Rooks so far. I mean, his ability to kick, his ability to just dominate fields. I mean, he's going to have to go up against much better guys than this and Wilkinson and Hamilton, but he he's put he looks like he's going to be in position. We will see. We will see. All right, I'm going to move us off of that. Where are we going next? Let's go to the men's 5K where we saw Brian Fay take home the win in 1321 at Brian Clay, beating Bob Liking in 1327, Kai Robinson. 1329, Jackson Sharp. 1329, and Duncan Hamilton. 1331. Um, I wish I could dig more into this result. Mm-hmm. Yep. But Faye did this last year, albeit he dominated a lot in much bigger fashion um, in terms of his winning margin this year compared to last year when he beat uh, Beetle Scum. Little worried about Kai Robinson. A little worried. Little, little worried about my Stanford guys this year after being mm-hmm. so high on them after Cross. They just haven't come through the way I would like them to. Come on, guys. Um, But. Other than that, I think everybody else ran fine. Yeah, I mean, Hicks, I'm not putting Hicks in that conversation after that Stanford win. That's fair. Uh, but I don't. I have no idea what to think about Robinson. Um, I'd rather him have these like, um, performances now yes. than in late May and June. He He put a lot of it on himself to go after the pace which I'll give him that. And he wasn't the only guy who was like a little slightly off. Like Victor Kiprop did not have a good race. Yassine Abdallah did not have a good race. Um, so like from that perspective, I would, you know, take note of that. But yeah, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot to say other than that. Like it's a great round for, for Faye. Um, he did this last year. I think he executed and like was a little smarter. This is like one of the smarter races I've seen him run. He didn't I, wait as long this time. 
he didn't wait as long, but but he also like bided his time. He wasn't like working at the front. He moved up like when he had to. It was a good it was good execution. Like I think he it was one of the better times where we keep saying like, oh, he has all this range. He has all this range, right? And then we never really see him like properly utilize it from my perspective, just from like an outsider like watching him race. Like I, you know, the mile at the NCAA indoor championships or the 3k at the new balance grand prix this past winter like there were times where i was like i don't know if that was the right call um but this was a very clear like thought out conservative poised well executed display of the best aspects of his resume and i thought from that perspective it was an encouraging result this kind of result and again last year's result made me feel the same way or playing like you can win this event i want to see you competitive like in the last 200 meters at NCAAs, like I, I am so like I, and it's not like he's been like terrible, terrible at NCAAs, but he's been good. I, I want to see him like in the mix with 200 because these kind of like finishes make me think that he can go head to head with almost anybody. So, um, I, I hope that we see him at this kind of level come NCAAs where he is challenging for a title because I truly believe in the talent there. Let's move to the women's 5K because this was a great race. I really uh, enjoyed this. Fantastic. Everlyn Kenboy taking home the win in 1520. Simone Plourd, 1521. Uh, a little ways back was Sophia Dudek, 1532. But Kenboy, man, she is, uh, and Plourd as well, have been on a tear this year, this outdoor season. And Kenboy, I mean, she just looks like she can press any button she needs to at this point. I thought Plourd was coming on strong. I mean, Albeit she had to close a huge gap from Kemboy, but Kemboy just responded. And I thought that was super impressive to see when she felt Plourd get close to her. She was able to uh, shift to another gear. Um, she just seems so in control right now. Yep. And, and I am just uh, amazed. Like we, we saw flashes of this. I, th- I feel like on the grass where we're like, man, she could be, serious problem at NCAAs and I think we're seeing her at an even higher level this outdoor season her previous PR was like I think 15 48 46 like something like that and so now she drops like what over 25 seconds and it's like oh my gosh because now she and has in a control, of, in control not like she's going all out like like looking like she's gonna collapse across the line doing it no and, and exactly it she takes down like a, a very top caliber name like that that's a big win like it's not just she ran fast but like it's the second like super fast mark that she's run this season in a row in a different event taking down the win and taking down a a really star caliber name the the argument for kemboy now um what percent chance would you give kemboy to be a double all-american oh i wasn't sure where that question was going I think she's like 50-50 at this point. I think it's 50-50. Yeah. yeah. I think she'll she absolutely... I, I feel like almost 100% that she will be All-American in the 10K. I agree. Um, and that coming back and running the 5K is tough, especially when you got a little bit more of a loaded, at least at the front uh, field. But she looks like she should be able to do that. She she reminds me of like... um. Reminds me of like Mercy Chalanga, like a true long distance aerobic star who has like deceptively great 5k speed, despite I think a lot of us labeling her as like a 10k runner. Um, better on the gr- like, I, I think she's better on the grass than her cross country performance this past fall showed at the national meet. Um, 
and just like her her rise has been pretty sudden and like pretty immediate and now she's going to be pretty lasting and i think the the comp there is not too far off um now granted i think chilling is obviously like Better. done a lot more yeah i mean yeah. she's more established but ken boys is great simone plored though mm. i mean we were talking about like okay 3k specialist could she move up could she move down I thought she was going to move down. Fifteen twenty one tells me she'll run the five k in the postseason. Yep. She, it was almost it tactically it was still a really good race. She didn't win, but it was really well timed. She almost got there. She probably should have gone a little earlier, which yep. is fine. That's her first collegiate five k ever. <sighs> didn't look like it. I didn't look like it. No. Yeah, I mean she she ran a smart race. She. I think was focused on making sure she didn't blow up, I think for a little bit of, of that, the time mm-hmm. and that cost her the opportunity to win. I agree. Which in your first 5k is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Like yeah. get your time, get the experience in the event. I think next time out, she's going to be more aggressive and I think that'll bode well for her. Um, I mean, she's shown that she can, convert that 1500 meter speed to good finishing kicks which isn't always the case I, I think we too often get into the lazy analysis of oh what's your 1500 peter if you have a good 1500 meter pr that means you should be able to kick well at the end of the 5k or 10k correct but yeah. what matters more is the your ability to have enough strength to still be able to save that kick for the end and clearly she's able to do that which is really exciting um and yeah i i think she's going to be able to be a lot more aggressive and put herself in a, in a better spot in future uh, like high caliber races. And, and in a, like a tactical setting, there's not, I mean, outside of maybe Tui uh, and maybe one or two others in a tactical 5k. I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And you, I really like the point that you made of like, sometimes we have this habit of getting into like a lazy analysis of, well, good 15, good mile speed means you have a good kick, which is not always true. Like Charles Hicks, like isn't exactly known as a miler by any means, no. but his kick has improved a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, as we saw the 10 K at Stanford Invitational. And I think that's a very good comparison. So like, just because Florida has great 1500 slash mile speed, like her kick can also be strength based and that's what makes her really scary. And that's why I agree. Like, Tactically, she is one of the last women I would ever want to face. Absolutely. Um, good run from Dudek as well. Again, mm-hmm. Stanford just continuing to like maybe not hit home runs, but like consistently hitting doubles almost every time you see like a, a Stanford Cardinal go out and run. Like very good, strong performances um, almost every time you see them take a, a nice step forward, which is always fun to see. Yeah. I. Yeah, I it, she's. I never really know what we're going to get from her. That's the thing. And these kind of races where it's fast and aggressive, she theoretically thrives in. I'd like to see a little more consistency, but she was due for this kind of result. Like mm-hmm. She was due, no questions asked. So not surprised by it, happy about it. I would like to see how she does the rest of the season. I'd like to see how she does over 10K, unless she already ran the 10K. Did she already run the 10K this year? Do we know? Uh, I do not have that up in front of me. Let me... Please hold. I will look. We have here she is. There we go. Do deck and drum roll, please. Oh my gosh, the internet. No, this is her first race of the season. So okay, all right. Um, anything else on the five k before we move on? Let's move on. Let's go to the women's ten k. And the question I'll tee you up with before I run through these results. Uh, did this race? 
change your mind no significantly nothing changed in the absolute slightest all right i so mercy chilean got took home the win 31 55 uh hilda olamame second 3205 amelia mazda downey 3207 and the reason why i asked that this that question maybe i am not asking the right question or right in the right way i think the olamame performance was the biggest one out of this three because again i i i don't want to disrespect chilean got she just won this race but the olamame performance makes me feel like she's a true contender in this event and maybe she maybe she just doesn't have the pure top end strength that Chilang got has and if it ends up being a, a quick uh race at NCAAs, I think Chilang got probably has that edge. But I really like what I saw from Olamama to run that time to finish second. I like her kick better than Chilang got. If it comes down to a little bit of a slower performance, I think she has the perfect teammate to be able to just shadow at NCAAs and know what her strategy is. I, I, I'm getting close to feeling better about her than Shalane got at, in the 10 K. I don't, I, it was a good performance and I don't think she's out of the conversation, but like, what she was lost it by about 10 seconds? Yeah. I mean, but. like what, like what was it about this race though? Like that, that's the thing I, I like all the mom white too. And I'm not saying she's out of the conversation, but like, I just think that she ran the time like i i think that was so i disagree i thought this was going to be like an all-time historically fast race where like they're going after the record and like they get like top okay. five marks all time like I, you look at my predictions like the times i had were exceptionally fast and you know yeah. given my understanding of what the pacers were supposed to do like it didn't really happen but like right i thought they were going to be so much faster so for me it's just my expectations versus the results of course whereas your expectations were obviously a little different um I just wanted her to see see her run a good 10k. Like that's that's literally all I needed from all mama. And like if she if she finished like in this time and finished sixth, then maybe I I feel a little different. But she she ran so, this time and ran second. I and that makes me feel good. But but what time does she have to run for you to still feel good? Like what's the threshold for you to still feel good? Thirty two twenty, thirty two thirty. I think if she ran under thirty two twenty, I would have been would have been happy with it. Just. And like it's all a mom way. Like she's run fifteen seventeen. She's a multi. I know. I know. I, I, I and, like she's clearly so fit and so talented. Like for me, I'm just like, yeah, this is kind of what she should have done. Yeah. And she's and not I, to say there wasn't a good performance. It was a great performance, but this is what she should have done. I agree, but I, I think when you're going up against like very established stars in this event, in like Chilang Gott and Mazadani, I just wanted to see her do it, and she did. And now I feel yeah. exceptionally good about. Like I, I am going to have a long hard think before i do my women's 10k predictions this year because i there there are there is a large part of me that wants to make some aggressive calls um oh god what was i gonna say um i I just completely (laughs) completely thrown you off your game yeah you're completely throwing me off yeah i I mean uh, regardless like if you can sleep well at night like with this result fine like i don't think it changes anything like as long as you get some sleep for it great um, more importantly, I had the top four collegiate women correct. Um, so that's just okay. important to know. So absolutely. All right. Let's go to, good job, Garrett. Yeah. Thank do you. you need some validation? Like do every I, I don't, day, every I think hour I need to day. be like saying good job, Garrett, after every well, one of no, these. Listen, no, listen, like it was such a bad winter of predictions to be as on as I was this weekend in such a crazy deep distance field. Listen, 
I, I can't help that I'm good at my job. Okay. Like I just can't help it. So anyways. Oh goodness. All right. Men's 10 K. Uh, this one really, I don't think we need to talk much about because I don't think we learned a whole lot. Dylan Jacobs, 2801 beating Casey Klinger, who also ran 2801. Creed Thompson, 2804. Carmack Dalton, 2804. Brandon Garnica, 2804. Uh, Barry Keene, 2804. And then Joey Noakes, 2805. And Antonio Lopez Segura, 2809. I mean, we should have seen this coming from cross-country season, but there is a 100% chance that we are seeing another BYU, like, six guys making it to the 10K this year. Like, it's... Ooh. I never thought thought about that. But you're right. They absolutely could. It's going to be wild. Uh, I don't know. Okay, maybe I'm taking that back. That's, That's six guys in this era. It's a lot. I mean, they like, already got, what, four? What do you mean? Like, four who have qualified for regionals right off the bat, right? Well, it's top 48. Well, right. But I, I'm saying, like, they've had four guys who have run times already, right? Like, that have been fast. Yeah, so and, the, the, those, uh, just yeah, from those this four race guys. Alone. Right, those four guys. And then I'm sure there's probably someone else. That's that's what I was about. Uh, that's what I wanted to go check, see if anybody. Yeah, so I'm. I'm so Christian Allen's that. already run 2843 at Brian Clay. Luke Grundvig has run 2848. And then they had Jacob Stanf- uh, Stanford run 2857. Like, it, it, like, here's the thing there was eight collegiates in this field alone, eight collegiate men who ran under 2810. Which is wild, by the way. Here's a fun fact. In 2019, or was it 2018? And please hold. I think it was 2019. Whichever year that Clayton Young won the, the national title in the 10K, mm-hmm. um, they didn't have anyone go under 2810 that year. And that was the same year where BYU... Was that the guys. year where like Mance and them ran like all like like twenty eight eleven or something? Yeah, they like, ran. Like, it was like Connor McMillan. And, like they yeah. all ran like twenty eight eleven. Please hold. I'm gonna take a look at this stat. It was right there. Oh, here we go. Yeah, men's ten k. Yeah, the the spring of twenty nineteen, not a single male runner ran under twenty eight ten. Um, like that's that's so absurd to me. Like the like the the the, the fact that a twenty eight ten mark is basically not relevant to the all American conversation now <laughs> is wild. That's insane. Like there were years where there was only one or two guys who would even do it in a season. Yeah. So. Just- yeah, I I think the depth here was more impressive, like than the top yeah. end time. I I think Klinger and and Jacobs have faster in them in a in a different kind of setting but yeah I, I i thought the overall depth was amazing um yeah and BYU looked great Lopez Segura huge PR from him for a guy who's traditionally been more of a 5k guy um really good performance from him but yeah i don't have too much to say i mean the rest of these guys i mean maybe a little faster than expected for some of them but you you saw this in the cards for a lot of them yeah, and I agree. I mean, if you just kind of look at it, it's like, you know, for it, it depends on Dalton. Like, did you see this for Dalton? If you liked his cross country performances enough, then yes. Yeah. Um, Gardica, maybe. Keane, maybe. Noakes, maybe. You know, Thompson, like, has, it, he's so young that it feels like a surprise, but he's been running so well that it's almost like, well, maybe not, right? Uh, Lopez Seguero, this was a surprise, but um, just well, we interesting have, stuff. 
the BYU, uh, I, I've, I should know this, but who who are the twins? Is it the Thompson twins? Is there? Yeah, Creed and Davin. Yeah. Okay. We haven't seen Davin yet. Have I don't we? think we've seen Davin. No. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 another reason why I'm like, man, BYU could have just like eight guys qualify for regionals, and then I mean, obviously, who knows? But uh, yeah, I'm trying that, to, I'm trying to take ways. a look at their their roster. So like, I think they still have Davin. Um. What if Zach Erickson could probably do something like that? I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Who else could probably put their name? Or even maybe Rooks, if maybe if Rooks really wanted to. Uh, Troutner, maybe. So, like, I'm sure Troutner there's someone who will have a great race. Uh, I don't know if he's raced yet. Has he? Uh, no, he hasn't raced since mid-February. Oh, okay, that's not ideal. So, but yeah, BYU. I don't, I don't think they're sending six guys. What's the, what's the line for them sending? Guys, is it three and a half? I think that's what I was about to say. Yeah, three and a half. Yeah, I think it's three and a half. When you have four guys run twenty eight oh five or faster, I think that's the perfect line. Yeah, I mean, I. It's just like I mean, everyone's. It's just so deep this year. Like it's so, yep. like we're not even really cracking anything right now. Like how many guys? We have fifteen guys right now who have run under twenty eight ten, and there's going to be a, probably another fifteen guys at some point doing that. Woo. We're in a different era, Garrett. We're we're getting old. You're getting old. Remember, I'm not getting old. So yes, and then I like to remind you that you are older than me. Only only by age, uh, not by spirit. So sure. Yeah. Guess who's who's the one ale in bed? Okay. Like- all, right. all right. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Pick on the kid who had surgery. Very cool. Uh, other than that, that's all I have. I think uh, we need to wrap it there. I think that's that, that's where we need to end. <laughs> um, all right, so that's all I got. Uh, YouTube, uh, go subscribe there. Uh, follow us uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Also, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We'll leave a rating and review there. Uh, D2, D3 rankings coming up. There's going to be some transfer stuff. New Lane 9 episode coming soon. Heck yeah. With, yeah, guest episode. It's actually, I've been told it's very good. Um, so we will see what happens there. Ben, do you have anything else? That's it. Until next week, Garrett, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.